You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. And welcome back, Star Wars fans, to the Rebels podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Star Wars Rebels animated series. This is episode six for season three, recapping the Star Wars Rebels episode entitled Imperial Super Commandos. If you're checking us out for the first time, I am your co-host, Matt the Crankster Cranky, and let me welcome in your host and creator of the Rebels podcast, of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, Mr. Michael Cohen. What's up, my friend? <clears throat> hey, hey, it's uh, it's as of recording this, of course. I mean, like, if you're listening to this, uh, it's the next day. But uh, but as we record, it is election night in the United States of America, and uh, everybody's sort of on the edge of their seat waiting to see how this <laughs> turns out. It's very close at the moment, and uh, it can go either way. So um, if you're listening to this, then uh, then the world continues to turn. Um, yeah. And if if no one's listening to this, then it's because uh, foreign powers have preemptively <laughs> launched a nuclear strike on the United States in an effort to cut the demon off at its head. So um, and I, I, that that doesn't apply to one political party or the other. That's a. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on where you sit on the fence uh, yeah, as, to, as yeah. to how you feel. Take it either that. way, huh? Take it yeah. either way. <laughs> um, heck, oh, even even if uh, if uh, if a third party candidate, have you, like those third party candidates, this go around are a little bit wacky. So uh, there's really yeah. no good choice. Uh, I Sheev Palpatine uh, twenty twenty, right? So yeah, uh, that's what I was gonna say. Hey. Can we? Can you write in somebody? I, it was, yeah. I've seen so many funny things, like, um, you know, like Mayor Goldie Wilson yeah. writes man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like goofy things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of funny uh, to see what's going on around there. It's almost like America needs to just like like they need to hit the the reset button on their uh, on the cannon, right? So like they need. Here's what needs to happen: Disney needs to buy America and just say like. Okay, so you remember like you remember like like uh, uh, the revolution. Okay, that happened, and uh, and you remember like like uh, post war that happened. But like everything from from like 
the eighteen hundreds up until then, and then like the 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 nineties forward. None of that happened. It's not canon. That's Legends America, and we're <laughs> rebooting it, and we're starting over. And uh, and and uh, America episodes seven, eight, and nine are coming soon. So, um, yes. and uh, and they can go ahead and they can fix everything that's gone wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, meanwhile, I'll just hang out here in Canada, and as you guys yeah. slowly devolve into the Hunger Games, we'll uh, we'll just be eating popcorn and watching. And we'll, yeah, and and we'll just you know what? Let's let's just forget about that for now, and we'll just talk <laughs> some Star Wars. Yeah, let's huh? just talk about let's just talk about some Star Wars. All right, let's do. Let's uh, see what's in the news. Always on the move. Force is strong as well. Now. Here's the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Right away, sir. All right. So starting, uh, starting first, Mike. We got uh, as far as news, not a lot. Again, you know, we're still pumping our way towards uh, December and uh, and Rogue One. But we do have some titles and descriptions for the next four episodes of Rebels, Mike. And uh, first things first. We're taking another break after this week, um, and I kind of knew this was coming with the holidays and all that. I'm sure we're going to get a few more breaks as we get towards Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Christmas. But so after today, well, we won't be back until the next episode doesn't air till November 19th, and it's called yes. Iron Squadron, and we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. We'll preview that. But a couple other, um, a couple other titles we got is the Win Cathu job on November 26th, and then two others that haven't been. Uh, I haven't had dates yet. Or an inside man and voices and visions. And yeah. when I look at these, uh, there's a couple of course that stand out to me when I read the descriptions, and especially the inside man one because it's going to be about. Uh, and it says here, on their search for information about a new imperial weapon, Ezra and Kanan infiltrate an imperial installation which is about to be locked down. In order to escape, they have to trust an enemy. So. You know, obviously your first thought is, oh, is it going to be callous? But you yeah. never know. I mean, you know, we've seen callous go back and forth sort of a little bit uh, in the last few episodes. But, man, I, that one's really intriguing to me. See, yeah. Could it be somebody else, Mike? What do you think? No, I think you're on the money there with callous. So, actually, yeah. Tracy Canobio, uh, the the illustrious, the uh, infamous, the fabulous Tracy Canobio from Lucasfilm. She's the, the PR for Star Wars Rebels specifically, and uh, one of our favorite people in the world, because she gives us so much great access to Star Wars Rebels, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm totally, totally kissing up right now, but uh, <laughs> for good reason because she's awesome. Um, uh, in any case, she tweeted earlier today that uh, the new episodes will be, as you noted, uh, November 19th and 26th. So obviously, you know, we're we're out for a couple of weeks there. And then there will be another break and then back on December 3rd and December 10th and then uh, and then the break for the holidays. Actually, is there a break between the 26th and the 3rd? I'd have to bring up a calendar. To actually, I, I don't know. Well, it might be for 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 Thanksgiving, but, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah. Here, let me just I'm just bringing up a calendar to take a look at that. I'm and thinking Thanksgiving's the 24th. Oh no! Yeah. So yeah, the nineteenth through to the tenth, there will be. There's basically four episodes straight through. So, okay. and you know, like they say that they're breaking for the holidays. They're breaking for the the one true 
Winter yeah. Holiday, which is uh, Star Wars, which is Rogue One, right? So yes, um, yes. they don't want to be worrying about promoing Star Wars Rebels in the midst of Rogue One hype, right? We're all going to be so busy at the theater, we won't have any time to watch Star Wars Rebels. Right. Not that there's anything, not 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 to say anything bad about Rebels. It's just like we're going to all be. I don't know how, how many times do you expect to see Star uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story in the theaters? Oh, I'll probably see it. Um, I want to say three to four times. I'm sure. I mean, you know, yeah. I want to see once in IMAX and once probably regular, and, and yeah. then I'll throw it in a couple more times. What about you? Um, yeah, well, I mean, my final count for for Episode Seven was seven times. Yeah, uh, fittingly. So I, I, I think I think I'm probably right where you are with Rogue One. Probably about three or four times. I know I'll probably I'll see it in IMAX on opening night, right? Um, and then I will probably take my dad to see it in 3D, and then I will probably at some point go see it again just in 2D so that I can just watch it without having to worry about, you know, glasses on top of glasses and all that nonsense. So. That's at least three times. Um, oh, actually, you know what? It'll be four times because one of those times will also be... Uh, they do a thing up here. I don't know if they do it at the theaters in the States, but in Canada, at Cineplex Theaters, they do this thing called uh, Stars and Strollers where you can take your kids to the movie uh, and, like, like babies. So it's for, like, parents with, with really small children so mm-hmm. that they can go see movies when they come out and they don't have to wait forever. Uh-huh. Um, and so what they do, like, they 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 leave the lights on, uh, not all the lights, but, like, some of the lights on, and they um, they turn down the volume so that it's, it won't damage the ears of small children. And, uh, and then they have, like, like, change tables and stuff in the theater so that you don't have to leave the theater huh. to deal with your kids. So... Wow. Um, Crystal will be there with me on opening night. We'll we'll drop the kid with uh, with a grandparent or something. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, but we're also we want to take her to see it so that we can say that Star Wars was her first movie. Yeah, but, uh, there you go. Um, yeah. Cool. So so that's so that's at least four times right there. So yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I'll see it four times. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at too. Definitely, for sure. What uh, was what was your final count on on Force Awakens? I think it was only five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think five. Um, the the Blu-ray is soon. It's like next week. Yeah, it's next on, week. I'm Tuesday. really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward yeah. to that. That uh, 3D Blu-ray. The 3D plus. I'm looking forward to that. That um, doc. What do they call it? Commentary. The, the commentary. commentary track, yeah. yeah. I've heard yeah. so much. I've I kind of been spoiled on a couple things and. And I won't, we won't talk about it now, but maybe there's a couple things we can talk about next time as yeah. far as that. Uh, yeah, that we'll, we'll have a couple of weeks to uh, to, to yeah. watch it a couple of times and uh, yeah, and then talk for about sure. It. it looks like as far as the, uh, the the schedule for Rebels though, it looks like they're gonna finish uh, that halfway get at the halfway point around that break you were talking about, Mike, and yeah. at the end of middle of December. So we'll be halfway through, and it ends. Uh, it looks like maybe with a you know, a half a season cliffhanger about Maul and Ezra. So that we could be going back there as well. So that's going to be really cool to yeah. see where we go. So that's what we're looking at in the next few weeks here. Uh, one more thing. Um, you were talking about Rogue One, Mike, and it uh, looks like we get a Thanksgiving treat other than turkey. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. And football, man, we get, we get a little bit of Rogue One footage. 
Um, not sure what it's going to be. I'm sure it's going to be something, you know, maybe like a 30 second spot or something. Hopefully it's some new stuff. Uh, although sometimes you think, man, I, you know, do you want to see any more or do you want to leave it here and just and go into it uh, with what we know? Or do you want to see more stuff? I don't know. I, obviously, yeah. most of the time you're like, I want to see more stuff, but I don't. You know what I mean? So, you know, like we're so close. We're just a little over a month away. And uh, and and I could really honestly I could I could go without seeing anything and and oh yeah yeah and uh, it wouldn't diminish my hype for the movie obviously um, but uh, but you know if they put stuff out I'm gonna watch it <laughs> that's oh, just sure. kind of the way yeah. that it goes I can't not yeah. right I want to be a part of the conversation <laughs> I want to know what's going on I want to see it but. But I feel like with Rogue One, even more than The Force Awakens, it's like with The Force Awakens, we kind of got it. Like, we, we know we know the beats, right? Like, we yeah, know it's going to yeah. do this, it's going to do that, it's going to do this, it's going to do that. It has to. It's a saga movie. With Rogue One, it's so new that it's like, well, it could really be anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to see it for the first time and, uh, and really experience... A Star Wars movie that's not part of the main story. That's not. That's not part. I mean, I guess it's it is tangentially related to uh, to the the main plot, but but it's not about our main characters. It's not about our our main heroes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's right. it's going to yeah. be very different. It's going to be very interesting. Um, yeah. And I'm uh, I you know like I can wait. I can wait. Which normally I would say the phrase I can't wait. But with Rogue One, I feel like. I get it. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to love it. I don't need to know anything else. You guys can just like sit back and relax. You don't have to show me anything else. If you want to, I mean like I guess I'll watch, but but yeah, like it's not it's not necessary. Um, <laughs> no, I know, so, definitely yeah. not. It's you know, you're right. It's like one of those things where you're going to you're going to put it out there. I'm going to watch the dang thing. And yeah. the thing is with me like if it's official stuff, then I know they're not going to put anything out there that's going to ruin the movie for me. So I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay yeah, with watching that, something. Yeah, that is wrong. But yeah. So other than that, though, we got some stuff as far as what's coming up in Rebels in the next few weeks and that. Yep. So anything else, Mike, before we hit the recap? Uh, just really quickly, I'm at yeah. a th- I'm, I hit, I broke a thousand followers on Twitter. So that's right. That's yay, right. Yay! And thank you to everybody <laughs> who follows me over on Twitter. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully, he, he is a big deal. <clears throat> yeah, I am a big deal. <laughs> I, I appreciated your comment on Facebook. Uh, I hope you. I hope it came off the way. I, I didn't mean it to sound like I was being. No, rude no, I understood. I was trying to I invoke understood. the whole Han Solo okay yeah. big deal. You know, it was no, kind of funny. No, I loved it. So. I think you got it though. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, that's it. I just wanted to, I, this, it <laughs> happened great. earlier today. This is the first podcast since that happened. So I just wanted to, to bring it up. All right. Let's, uh, nice. let's there jump you go. into it. All right. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Now it's time for the Rebels recap. Yeah, all right, here we go with Imperial Super Commandos. While traveling in a CR-90 Corvette, Sabine Wren is playing a game of Kubikai with Fen Rao, the leader of the Mandalorian Protectors. Sabine tries to persuade Fen Rao and his protectors to join the rebellion. Fen, in return, tries to talk Sabine into joining forces with him to fight for Mandalore. At that point, Gerizeb Aurelios interrupts the conversation to summon Fen and Sabine for a briefing in the war room with Harris and Dula. 
In the war room, Hera informs the Lothal rebels and Commander Jun Sato that they have lost contact with the Protector's camp on the third moon of Conquered Dawn. Commander Sato thanks the protector, uh, thinks the Protectors are setting a trap. Fenral replies that this is impossible because his men are thoroughly loyal to him. Hera sends Ezra Bridger and Chopper to accompany Sabine and Fen on a recon probe of the base. So, Mike, we get mm-hmm. uh, the return of Fen Rao, which we last saw in season two, Protector of Conquered Dawn, uh, when, where Rao was actually captured and an alliance of somewhat of necessity was born with the Mandalorians of Conquered Dawn. You know, they wanted to get the, the uh, hyperspace routes, if I remember correctly, yeah. uh, through, through Conquered Dawn. So, um, you know, we get them playing, I guess, their version of. Dejaric or something like that, and it seems Sabine and Ren have had these kind of talks maybe before. I, you know, here's Sabine and and Finn who come from the same, you know, not the, not necessarily the same family, but the Mandalorians are a family. There are you know they are very protective of each other. So there's kind of a trying to see how to put this. Like, I, it just seems like they've done this before. Like they've had their talks before, and she's trying to obviously persuade him to help them out. Uh, but he says his only loyalty is to Mandalore, and, and he's made. He says he's made deals on both sides to survive. So he's made deals with the Empire, but he's also made deals with with them. Of course, he's in he's in cuffs now, and he's a prisoner. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, Rao even tries to to kind of turn the tables and persuade Sabine to to join him. So kind of an interesting thing, the way to start this episode off and, yeah. you know, obviously seeing Rao again and, and kind of the tug of war that these two are having on trying to get each other to come back to, to their side. What do you think, Mike? Yeah. So this is my thing with this episode. Um, nothing happens. A yeah. lot, a lot happens in this episode, but nothing happens. Um, and, and we're taken away from our main thread. So the whole, time i'm watching this i'm kind of going like well what's the point what's mm-hmm. the point what's the point what's the point and fen rao who we were introduced to last season um was a really interesting character then and is a big dull dud this time around um and i and i wonder what happened to his character in writing this episode that he is just so flat and uninteresting to me Um, to be perfectly honest, it's a good thing that we have the recap because if we didn't, uh, the, my recap for this episode would have been, uh, Sabine and Fen Rao play chess. Uh, (laughs) they decide to go, go to Mandalore for no reason. And, uh, they get there, some stuff's blown up and then they get chased for 23 minutes by Mm -hmm. Imperial super commandos by, by what's his face. Um, who was Gar Saxon, Gar yeah. Saxon who is yeah. formerly Darth Maul's commanding whatever, right, like yeah. the, the head of his his yeah. uh, 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 death death watch death watch or whatever, yeah. um, and then and then they escape. Uh, yeah. The most exciting thing in this episode is seeing the new Phantom uh, for me. Yeah, uh, and 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 um, I will say like this. This goes into a larger problem with Star Wars that I have, and that is that the Mandalorians are not interesting on screen. Mm-hmm. Just because they have cool armor doesn't make them inherently interesting. Um, and Sabine suffers from this. Her character is not 
that deep. And people right. who have a, a an affection for that character are affected are 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 they're looking at, at very surface elements when they feel that way. Cause for me, she is just and it, it's not like I'm not trying to say like if you're a fan of Sabine, you're dumb. Um, mm. I understand why people are fans of Sabine. Um, but for me, like, why spend any time on her character? Her stories lead absolutely nowhere. I hope that what they've built in this episode is is going somewhere, and that that um, that Fen Rao joining the rebellion uh, will actually have an impact, and and will mean something much akin to when when uh, Captain Rex joined the rebellion, and all of a sudden, you know, they they went from <coughs> sorry being a ragtag team to uh coming together as an effective unit under his tutelage right so i don't know like like hopefully hopefully fenrau can have some sort of an effect i get the feeling that it's much like everything else with the mandalorians it's going to be very superficial um mm. it's going to be the sort of thing where it's like oh yeah now we have a mandalorian on our side so our tactics are better and we won't actually see how their tactics are better. We'll just be told that their tactics are better, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It just... Um, the setup for the episode is fine, but this felt like one of the slow-paced, boring episodes of The Clone Wars to me. And yeah. I, I, there's just no escaping that for me. Like, the, the action sequence in the middle is just way too long and not at all interesting. Um, it's really I, tough because because yeah. we're ignoring all of the interesting stuff about the Mandalorians. We are focusing on what everybody, all the fans want. So I feel like this episode is very fan servicey. Uh, Sabine gets a jetpack. There are Mandalorians that are Imperial Mandalorians, and you know it's new armor, new helmets. Um, so there's a lot of that stuff that I think people get excited about, but um. I am in the minority, I know, when I say that what the Clone Wars did for Mandalore was, I think, really interesting. When you take this this um, group of people who was characterized by, uh, at that point, two individuals, uh, mm-hmm. Boba Fett and Jango Fett, who, in my opinion, uh, were outliers and not meant to be representative of an entire culture... Um, obviously, Jango Fett was a bounty hunter, um, and and as was Boba Fett, right? Like they were, um, and when you're a bounty hunter, when you're a drifter like that, that can't be representative of an actual culture because you're nomadic, right? I mean, not that there aren't nomadic cultures, but but like like both of the examples that we have are these guys who sort of go off on their own, and I know that that the um, that the Republic Commando novels built on the idea of the Mando as as um, a warrior culture and all that, that always struck me as way too close to Klingons for me to care. Hmm. Um, I, I, like, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed Republic Commando, the video game. I enjoyed the first novel, and I enjoyed parts of the second novel. Um, and I never even picked up the, the third one because I don't know that I finished the second novel. Um, cause the, the, 
the deeper you got into that culture, the more it just sounded like Klingons to me. They had their own language that was developed and they're honorable warriors and blah, blah, blah. And that's just like that. It's that's not very interesting, in my opinion. It's been done. It's been done in every science fiction franchise. I, I, I mean, like, obviously Klingons in Star Trek. Um, uh, if you ever watched the show Farscape, whatever the squid face guy was, um, it's been so long since I've watched Farscape that I can't remember the name hmm. of the species. Um, there was a series called Andromeda uh, with Kevin Sorbo, uh, yeah. and and they had a uh, 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 species of near humans who had like these little spines that popped out of their arms um and they were an honorable warrior race and like it's just it's such a it's such a boring uninteresting sci-fi trope to me that when george lucas was like oh that's not what the mandalorians are like they're a pacifist artist culture right and everybody was like hold up wait what'd you say (laughs) um i was like oh now this is interesting and then throughout the Clone Wars, as we discover, okay, they're, they have this, this sort of ancient culture of um, very similar to the Romans of like sort of expansionism and, and uh, I, I, sort of an imperial sort of bent to them. It makes them an interesting player in, in the Clone Wars because, you know, are they going to be more sided with the Republic or the Separatists and they end up like falling somewhere in the middle. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and sort of being neutral um, until Darth Maul shows up and sort of screws everything up. And yeah. we see this warrior culture come back to the forefront. Um, and I found that, I found that to be an interesting dynamic to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sabine on the surface has all of the same complexity as, as what I just talked about where she's, an artist, but she's also a demolitions expert, um, and and she's a female Mandalorian, which makes her more interesting than yet another male Mandalorian. And I think one of my problems here is that it was just a bunch of dudes in armor, and we didn't really like. I, I don't care um, if you didn't tell me that Gar Saxon was connected to the Darth Maul storyline. I wouldn't know it from this episode, and it doesn't make him any more or less interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like yeah. it, it just kind of it just kind of fell really flat to me. Um, and we can kind of go through it and talk about a few things. I could see that. I could see that. I mean, I probably liked it a little more than you, but I definitely felt that there was flaws. And, and here's the thing. Like we've talked about this before. Like when you have 22 episodes. Yeah. This is what you're going to do. And and like you said, Sabine, for, for me, Sabine is probably my le- the least um, – Let's see how can I put this. She, I'm at least invested with her, right? Like, yeah. I'm more invested in what's going on with Ezra. Like I said before, Ezra and Kanan, and even Hera and and Zeb. Like, she's kind of on the bottom for me. And um, so, this is what you're going to get when you spread these things out. You, I guess, you can call it a filler. But uh, there is some there is some good things in here that I liked. But again, like you said, it's ultimately like the Mandalorians aren't as I think interesting as we all think they are maybe or something i don't yeah. know but um but uh yeah i don't know we'll we'll, we'll continue mike we'll talk about it go ahead with the yeah second one. yeah uh <clears throat> sabine flies the phantom to to the concord dawn system uh oh so they're in concord dawn i 
this is how much I was paying attention to the episode. And when you just said Concord Dawn, it didn't even occur to me. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, Concord Dawn system. That's interesting to a certain degree. Um, Ezra watches over Fenn, but then walks over to the windscreen where he sees the shattered southern hemisphere of Concord Dawn. Sabine warns Ezra to watch out for Fenn. However, they are too late, and Fenn stuns them both with a blaster. Later, the rebels discover that they have landed on the third moon of Concord Dawn. They find Rao outside the ship on top of a precipice. Ezra uses the force to snatch Rao's blaster and orders him to turn around slowly. Sabine and Ezra approach Rao and discover that the Protector's camp has been attacked and its inhabitants killed. While exploring the camp, Rao discovers a Mandalorian helmet and deduces that another clan was responsible for the attack. So, here's another thing that kind of jumped out at me when I was around this point. I'm like, you know what? There has been, at least like in this first few, the first um, part of this season, like, the entire ghost team, uh, they're not really together anymore. You know, as far as these missions go, um, it's a lot of, you know, yeah. you two go and do this, you two do that, you two here, you two there. Yeah. And I'm it's kind of interesting. Kind of, I'm getting kind of tired of it. All right. Yeah. So I would notice that. I'm like, is that yeah. because, you know, Hera's taken more of a leadership role in the whole rebellion yeah. as a whole? So she's got to stay back and maybe Kanan's got to stay back. Notice, though, notice, though, that Ezra is in every episode. Right, um, yeah. and that to me is the is the weird element to it. Um, I'm okay with sort of breaking characters off to have them go on their own adventures to develop a relationship between two characters. Um, I like Ezra; he's an interesting character. Uh, there's only so much that you can do with him, though, if he's in every single episode and if he's the focus of every single episode. Mm-hmm. And and I get that he's supposed to be sort of the audience portal into the world because he's always the one asking questions because he's a naive kid. But I, you know what would have made this episode really interesting is having, let's say, Zeb go with Sabine and having Zeb siding with the Mandalorians because he comes from an honorable warrior culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or better yet, having Kanan go with her so that Kanan can try and find the middle path, which is what his his care like sort of the the um the the plot thread that he's on in this season. Mm-hmm. So that he can, you know, bring the two of them together. Uh when you bring Ezra along, you end up with uh, someone to ask questions and use a lightsaber. And that's basically all the purpose that he serves at the moment, unless the episode is about him. And if the episode's about him, that's fine because um, he has an interesting story and we want to know what's going on there. But it doesn't serve Sabine's story to have Ezra accompany her. Mm-hmm. The only way that that could serve that story is if we took the small thread, and I don't want them to do this, but this is just me sort of throwing it out there. If you took the small thread of, um, you know, Ezra's infatuation with Sabine, and you started to develop that into something, and you developed Sabine's character along with that, um, mm-hmm. my other. My other problem with this episode is that um, we keep pussyfooting around Sabine's background, her backstory, yes. mm-hmm. 
right. and not actually talking about it or exploring it. I'm really sick of hearing that Sabine abandoned her family and yeah. and left the Imperial Academy. We know that. Mm-hmm. I want to know exactly what happened. I want her to have to confront that. And yeah. I want it to help her develop as a character into someone uh, slightly more interesting than who she is at the moment. What we've got right now is the same character that we started with in season one. And everybody else has evolved um, to, to varying degrees, obviously. I mean, uh, the most drastic, obviously, being Ezra and Kanan. But I think the, the, the one that I find the most interesting being Zeb, because he went from a character that was not interesting at all. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, the, the honorable warrior trope um, becoming something much more complex and something much more interesting than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that it's not just honor, but also this deep morality that he has um, and, uh, and a very deep spiritual belief. Right. Um, so, so, you know, he, he's become a very interesting character, uh, especially over the course of season two. I hope that's what they're building to with Sabine. And I hope that when we look back at season three, we go, okay, well that was the, the season where Sabine became an interesting character but this episode didn't do anything. All it did was continue to lay foundation that we don't need laid because, like, we're ready. We're ready to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But she's going to have to confront her family in order for that to happen. And that obviously doesn't happen here. So. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing is they're doing that slow play thing where yeah. I think we've all got that now. We, we're waiting on this. And, and, and you can see through as we go through this episode, there's more hints to her backstory and, you know, we're obviously going to go there again sometime this season. Yeah. We're going to get more from her, and we'll talk about that. But you're right. It's it's a, that real super slow play of her, and it's about, you know, it's, okay, let's finally get to yeah. it. Yeah, and like, uh, like you said, when you got 22 episodes, you got to fill it with something. Yeah. And, uh, and especially with Rebels, and I was really hoping that we were going to get away from it this season. But... With Rebels, for some reason, they're really focused on one-at-a-time stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I would really love it if we could go back to the Clone Wars model of three- to four-episode arcs mm. and making, yeah, them, yeah. making them mini-movies, right? Where each episode is self-contained, has a beginning, middle, and an end, but is part of a larger story. Because this episode is filler, it's, mm-hmm. That's the only word for it. It's just filler. It's just waiting for whatever is going to happen next with Thrawn and, right. and with Ezra and Kane. Ezra and Kane. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, well, you know, they, well, they lost contact with the base, like we've talked about, yeah. and conquered Don. And Sato thinks it's a, you know, a setup, a trap. But uh, Rao knows that, you know, his, his commando brothers would not betray him that way. So I'll continue. Ezra, Sabine, and Fenral are then attacked by an Imperial po- probe droid. Sabine warns them that Imperial reinforcements are coming, but Fen refuses to go and and proposes that he will bargain with the Galactic Empire in order to survive. At that point, Ezra witnesses a column of flying stormtroopers approaching them. The Imperial Mandalorians land, and their leader, a red-armored warrior, orders his men to spread out. Ezra is captured by the Mandalorian leader and gives up. Hiding at the corner of the building, Sabine wants to help Ezra, but Fen tells her that their only advantage is that the Imperial uh, Mandalorians don't know where they are. Meanwhile, the Imperial Mandalorian leader orders his men to search the area for the others. He then takes off his helmet 
and identifies himself as Gar Saxon, the Imperial Viceroy of Mandalore. They're around here somewhere. Sacrifice saved us. Don't waste it. Whoa, 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 stop! I give up! Don't shoot! We have to help him. Think, Sabine. Your only advantage is that they don't know about you yet. You still have his lightsaber. That might just save his life. Come, I know a place where we'll be safe and where we can watch them. Search the area. I doubt he's alone. Who are you? I am Gar Saxon, Imperial Viceroy of Mandalore. And you, Rebel, are now my prisoner. So, Mike, we get the introduction of Gar Saxon. Of course, his first appearance, like you mentioned earlier, was the Son of Dathomir comic where yep. he helped, uh, you know, Maul escape Stygian Prime, I believe. Um, the, the crazy thing to me is... Like, he is voiced by Ray Stevenson, who I know best from the Punisher Warzone movie, which I thought he was a great Punisher, by the way, if you haven't seen that movie. Mm. Um, not necessarily a great movie, but he is, he looks like a great Punisher. Um, but here's the thing. that It's crazy. Like, they could have got anybody to do some of these voices. Like, you know, Agent Callus. I mean, just get your standard great voice actor like a, you know, a Tom Kane or whoever, you know, um, James yeah. Arnold Taylor, whatever. But the fact is they're bringing in like pretty heavyweight guys, right? I mean, we've seen with the Inquisitor, they brought in um, Jason Isaacs. I mean, they got David Oyelowo. They got um, this guy, Ray Stevenson. I guess the other guy who plays um, uh, who plays uh, Fen Rao is another actor that's pretty well known. I think it's Rome they play in the show together. But it's just crazy that they bring in, when they don't have to, they bring in these somewhat heavyweights to voice. And I got to tell you, I mean, I love the voice. I mean, I love mm -hmm. what they do. Yeah. Not necessarily, I mean, anybody could probably be done some kind of menacing Mandalorian. But the fact that they bring these big guys in, it's just I, sometimes I wonder, like, why are these guys doing it? Is it just because of Star Wars or, yeah. you know, is it something else? It's kind of crazy. It just something popped in my, into my head. But again, you know, his appearance, um, Gar Saxon, totally different than the comic, right? Like, he was red in the comic and he had, like, the devil horns. Not devil horns, but the horns. Um, totally different look in this particular episode. They went back to the plain white, almost the way the original Boba Fett looked when they when um, Johnson kind of did that whole uh, costume. It was all white, if you remember that. So kind of going with that look, almost like a Stormtrooper-ish type white look to him. But... Um, Here's what they do, Mike. They they make these guys is funny. They make him and it, he's a he's the viceroy of Mandalore. It's like the Empire is really good at giving out titles, right, and giving people power so they can do uh, their bidding. So I thought that was kind of interesting that he has a title. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, yeah, it's a it, it's interesting. Um, and there's a lot of legacy behind the concept of these characters. The idea of the Imperial Super Commando that mm -hmm. was what Boba Fett was originally. Supposed to Turned, be that, right? right? Yeah, he was yeah. supposed to be uh, an elite stormtrooper. Um, and if you look at er very early concept art, uh, he's sort of uh, all white, and then he's got um, one of my favorite designs. He's got like a Clint Eastwood 
um, uh, you know, like the the man with no name style yeah. poncho um, yeah. that kind of goes off to one side. And obviously he retains a little bit of that with his cape. Um, but uh, I, some of that's obviously from the original design that you see in A New Hope um, in, in the deleted scene that was restored for the special edition. Um, mm. But I... But, uh, the the legacy is is for me like not enough to keep this this super interesting and mm. the voice actor as you brought up reminds me like the, the situation gives me flashbacks to that uh, the droid arc in season five of the mm-hmm. Clone Wars where Stephen Stanton gave like an A plus performance right. <clears throat> as Meber Gascon in an otherwise completely terrible story. exactly yeah (laughs) where you're like um i don't want to like i can't speak ill of stephen stanton he's awesome and he does this great like like i i like uh walter matthau i sort of like i mean i it's hard to remember what all of the influences are we talked to him in that episode um and i and it was like you're awesome what was it like having to deal with a story that was so difficult for your character, right? And with this one, I would be like, if we could talk to, it's Ray Stevenson, is that that the name? Yes, yes. If we yes. could talk to him, I'd be like, great performance. Like, did you feel any connection to this character? Because for me, he could be anybody. Like, there's no character on the page. Um, any character that does come across is simply a result of that performance. So yeah, like I'm with you, like that performance was awesome. Um, I, but, but everything else in this episode was just so flat that it was like, like, I, I just don't know. I just didn't know what to do with it. Like there was just, there was just no character whatsoever from anybody, not even from like our characters that we're used to having. Um, I'll point out Chopper usually a character that is full of antics nothing interesting in this episode mm. the, uh, there's one joke when, when Ezra falls on him and, he go, and Ezra goes yeah I know it was an accident with him catching <laughs> yeah. Ezra right and it's like that's it that's that's it that's the whole or the when, whole, he, when he when he pinched Ezra's nose to wake him up yeah yeah I guess there was that but yeah like just just like a character who is usually like a little bit on the obnoxious side is like just completely flat in this episode. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was going on. And and I'm being really critical on it right now because that's our job. That's what we do when we podcast. If if I if I wasn't critical right now, I really wouldn't have much to say because there's not that much going on in the episode. I'll say like I don't have negative emotions toward the episode. I wasn't sitting there going, "This sucks," yeah. but. Um, Normally, I watch the Rebels Recon immediately after the episode. I didn't watch the Rebels Recon for this until earlier today because mm-hmm. I almost like forgot that it even happened. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because yeah. this episode falls in like it's really truly filler. We didn't have an episode last week. We don't have an episode next week. Right. We're just in this dead zone. This episode may as well not come out. <laughs> they could they could yeah. just like refer back to it later and and you know like if you missed this episode you didn't really miss anything. But yeah. this um, is the yeah, like I said this is one of those ones where when you go back you might not like me I might not watch it again you know yeah. just because I know I I know it's 
nothing in here is yeah. critical that I need to know for and, the story. And you know, there were a couple episodes like that last season as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, there yeah. always are going to be like like we keep going back to this twenty two episodes. You got to fill it with something. Yeah, um, I'd prefer I if they just went with thirteen episodes yeah. like they did in season one. But no, that was that's the thing. That's what I always say. You know these tight shows that do that especially the network stuff and hbo's and stuff man that's just yeah. that's the way to do it i mean it, they I really so. make you want more so it's perfectly just less, less is more in those instances right yeah yeah as far as this particular portion of the the show um one of the thing that kind of caught my ear was uh the sacrifice that fan rao says yeah. Ezra's was going to make for us to get away and he also says um you know he tells sabine you have his lightsaber that might just save him. So that's kind of a little clue to what's going to happen later on. Yeah. Like, yes, Saxon doesn't know who this kid is yet. And by taking his lightsaber, it's going to save him, at least for now. So I thought that was a kind of one of those key moments to, to let the audience know. Go ahead, Michael, continue. Uh, inside a hut, Saxon interrogates Ezra and demands to know how many companions he has. Another Mandalorian warrior responds that there is no sign of the other rebels in the base. Saxon believes that his rebel prisoner is lying. Ezra claims that he did not know that Mandalore was part of the Empire. Saxon orders his men to search the Phantom Two and threatens to use Chopper as target practice to force the boys' cooperation. Meanwhile, Fenn suggests sacrificing the pawn, but Sabine retorts that Ezra is not a pawn and points out that he can take care of himself. Fenn regards Saxon as a traitor and collaborator with the Empire. Sabine convinces Fenn to help her get back their ship and rescue the others. Fenn only wants revenge against Saxon. Sabine stresses that she is not after revenge, but only wants to protect her friends. Um, so in this scene, like I, I did kind of enjoy the references as uh, as Ezra is like, I'm with Hondo Anaka. Check with him. Yeah. He'll, yeah. he'll he'll back me up because you know <laughs> that like Hondo will. He totally will. Like like if if they were to 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 somehow contact Hondo and say like this this boy do you know him hondo would be like yeah of course that's he's that's that's my like that's my second in command that's my the, mm. my my first mate right like how dare you lay hands on on ezra bridger uh he's you know like i'll bring all of the 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 fury that i have of course lying because hondo has fallen on very hard times and doesn't really have anything at the moment yeah. um and then later when he's like, okay, okay, you caught me. I'm Lando Calrissian, <laughs> right? And uh, yeah. you're like, uh, it, it reminds me of season one and two, um, especially season one when he first told uh, I, um, Agent Callus that mm. his name was Jabba. Jabba, yeah. yeah. And uh, and Callus and, uh, and referred to him as Jabba several times before he realized, like, wait a second, this kid's lying. Um, yeah, it, it, he's still, he's still, he's still that streetwise uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. kid um, yeah. at heart, even if he is uh, becoming something resembling a Jedi. I don't call him a Jedi. He's not a Jedi. He's no Jedi. Mm. Yeah. As, to quote Bib Fortuna. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. No, Ezra does play it, you know, like you said, he, he plays it off very well. He plays off like he's like a scavenger or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and like he's a part of Honda Anaka's crew. But another thing, too, that that I believe it's Saxon that mentions that the Empire is fully aware of rebels, that the rebels are using the system as a throughway. So he's telling basically letting her know that, yeah, the Empire knows that 
what you guys are doing. And uh, they're just getting getting their ducks in a row. They're ready to to pounce on these guys, I think. But uh, let me let me continue here. We'll, yeah. uh, back at the hut, Saxon and his men fire blaster bolts around Chopper, startling the droid. To save Chopper, Ezra identifies himself as Lando Calrissian. Saxon senses the boy's lying and tells him that every lie conceals a shred of truth. Sabine and Fenn eavesdrop on the interrogation from outside. When Saxon orders his subordinates to blast the droid and dig out his memory circuits, Ezra tells Saxon that he was sent by the protector, Fen Rao. Saxon then grabs Ezra by the neck and demands that Ezra take him to Rao. Fen realizes that Saxon was going to kill him anyway and realizes that the rebels saved his life. He then proposes a truce with Sabine. So, you know, I plan to strike this base and destroy these defiant protectors for some time. Missing Fenra was disappointing, but his absence did make the destruction of his men easier. I have been waiting for Rao to return. I only allowed rebel ships to move through Concord Dawn to lure him back, but now I have you. And I think you know exactly where Rao is. And you will take me to him. He was going to kill us anyway. Had you and your Jedi not captured me, I'd be dead alongside my men, executed by the Empire. A truce, then, for now. You get your friend, I'll secure our ship. Thank you. First, let's thin them out and get you a weapon. I like the way you think. So, Mike, here's where Fen Rao finally hears the truth like he's finally hearing it for himself you know saxon was allowing the rebel ships to to move through the conquer dawn system to lure rao back and ultimately kill him under the umbrella of the empire so it's all finally out time he's he's got that moment of clarity like okay now he's he's kind of on sabine's side on on not necessarily on the rebel side yet but he gets what what she's doing and it's time for him to attack i mean this is it's, it's crazy about the Mandalorians now, right? You have them that were on Conquer Dawn that protect the Mandalorian way, but then now you have, since the Empire's taken over, you got Gar Saxon's super commandos that are kind of held under the thumb, like I said, of the Empire. And they're coming down just laying waste to, to everybody else. So Finn, like I said, he's finally realizing, realizing uh, what has happened and it's time for him to take, uh, take some action. So um, go ahead, Mike, we'll continue. Uh, yeah, okay, so uh, putting their plan into action, Sabine knocks out an Imperial Mandalorian sentry guarding the Phantom II. Sabine steals a jetpack from the unconscious guard. Fen then sneaks aboard the shuttle and engages in a fistfight with the guard. Back in the hut, Saxon hurls Ezra onto the floor and attempts to shoot Chopper with his blaster. However, Ezra uses the force to deflect Saxon's blaster bolts twice. At that point, Saxon deduces that Ezra is a Jedi and remarks that he would make a valuable captive. Um, yeah, we can just keep going, I think. Yeah, I know. That was the that was the point right there where, yeah. you know, he was talking about earlier, Fen Rao was talking about, it's a good thing he didn't say anything, but here he has no choice. He's, he's using the Force. And here's the difference, like, with, with Ezra. Like, he has to concentrate, close his eyes, use his hand, um, you know, and obviously... You know, uh, Saxon is able to do what the heck's going on. Like, oh, of course, he's a Jedi. He's doing that. So, you know, if it was somebody else that was more powerful that wouldn't have to, that could just sit there with maybe their hands crossed and their eyes open and, and do that kind of thing, maybe that would have done something. Probably not. But 
it just shows the lack of um, experience so far with with uh, Ezra, and yeah, that's kind sure. of why he, one of the reasons he was caught. So uh, Sabine then unleashes a smoke grenade and leads Ezra and Chopper away. The rebels rush back to the Phantom Two, only to discover that Fenn has stolen it. The three rebels are then surrounded by Gar Saxon and his Imperial Mandalorians. Ezra ignites his life, uh, lightsaber. Saxon recognizes Sabine and tells her that he knows how she joined Phoenix Squadron. Saxon claims that Sabine Wren's mother came around after her daughter ran away from the Imperial Academy on Mandalore and shamed her family name. Saxon says that he will not kill her out of respect for her mother and claims that the Empire will make Mandalore greater than ever before. So we're getting into slightly more of Sabine and what's going on. And I thought they were going to play this out a little more to we were going to get a little more tease. Um, so here's Ren, my here's Raul. He talks to Sabine's mother. Uh, not Raul, but Saxon. Is it... I mean, could it be Bo-Katan? What do you think? Uh, that Bo-Katan is, is Sabine Wren's uh, mother? I, no, I don't think Yeah, so. because here's the thing. Katie Sackhoff, we talked about this yeah. a few times, a few episodes ago. About she revealed that she was going to be back in Rebels, uh, obviously as as Bo-Katan, as far as I remember. So, you know, if you're trying to loosely, you know, pull some strings together to say maybe, I mean, but you don't think so, huh? I don't think so. No, I, it, that would be just a little bit too much of a coincidence. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, it's possible, and maybe that's the way that they want to play it out. I think, I think what's more likely is that Bo-Katan will come in as as a mentor to mm. Sabine. Yeah. Um, it's, does it sound like you that Sabine Ren's mother is still part of the um, possibly some Mandalorian sub? set or something like that that's maybe in service to the empire i think it's more likely that we'll run into that where because uh -huh. because she did like sort of abandon the imperial academy and all that that when we find sabine's mother it's going to be much more related to the empire mm. than uh than anything else so yeah. yeah like i i fully expect that to be the the thread there um and I don't see Bo-Katan as being someone who would go along with the Empire um, because no, she's yeah. too proud yeah. of a Mandalorian, right? If anything, right. I expect to find Bo-Katan leading a, a resistance That's what I think. Yeah. against Imperial occupation of Mandalore. So, um, yeah. yeah, like if we go to Mandalore, I think that's what we'll find. Yeah, well, the last time we, we saw... Uh, Bo-Katan, she was helping um, essentially, you know, Obi-Wan and them escape. Yeah. So she kind of had a change of heart. So seeing her sister killed by Maul obviously would, would do that to you. So um, go ahead, Mike. We can go ahead. Uh, where are we here? In uh, return? In return? Yeah, sorry. In return for sparing her life, he demands that Sabine get him Fen Rao and yield. Sabine pretends to yield and takes off her helmet despite Ezra's protests. Sabine passes the helmet to Chopper and quietly tells him to set it to frequency 337 on her mark. When Saxon approaches Sabine and demands her fealty, she tells him that he is a fool and tells Chopper to activate the frequency. This has the effect of disorienting the Mandalorians and leaving them writhing in pain. 
Chopper ignites his rocket boosters while Sabine tells Ezra to hold on as she flies away on her stolen jetpack. Back on the third moon on Concord Dawn, Ezra asks Sabine about her plan while in mid-flight. Sabine says that the Imperial Mandalorians must have landed a starship nearby and tells Chopper to locate it. So, um, yeah, I, I, one other thing I kind of glossed over because we were talking about other stuff. Um, mm. I didn't appreciate Fen Rao uh, switching sides yet again. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, was a, it was one time too many. It was like... Uh, well, I guess it'll end up being two times too many because he switches back at the end. Again. Back. Yeah, and right. it's like, like, what's the point? Like, he's got the Phantom. We know he's not going to take. It's a brand new Phantom. Mm-hmm. We know he's not going to leave the planet without them. Yeah. Um, and how else are they going to get out of this situation? So, you're like, you kind of know where it's going, anyways. It would have been better to see it just sort of play out with him on their side, but. Uh, but I guess then we wouldn't get this um, mildly entertaining canyon chase. Canyon chase, yeah. Uh, I think that, that was that was a lot of people were talking about that. Or a lot of people were talking about Sabine getting her jetpack finally, um, yeah. which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> here's the thing, though. Jetpacks are the worst, okay? Yeah. Especially Mandalorian jetpacks. Uh, both Jango Fett and Boba Fett die because of their jetpacks. Because of it, yeah. So, it's like a theme now, yeah. Look, yeah. look what happens to, to Sabine in this one. You know, exactly. it easily gets it gets hit and she's out of it, you know. So uh, it's, it's, like, it's like a common thread with, with the Mandalorians and their jetpacks. I think it's kind of funny. Um, I'll continue, Mike. The Imperial Mandalorians pursue the Rebels with their jetpacks. The Rebels flee into a canyon with Ezra struggling to hold on to Sabine. At Sabine's request, Ezra uses his lightsaber to deflect the Mandalorian's blaster bolts. One of the Mandalorians closes in on Sabine and Ezra. Sabine drops Ezra on the top of a pinnacle and he jumps onto the pursuing Mandalorian. He uses his lightsaber to damage the Mandalorian's jetpack, causing the man to fall. Ezra and Sabine then leap from opposite ends of the cannon and grab each other. Saxon orders his three remaining men to cut off their quarry. The rebels fly into a narrower part of the canyon and Sabine throws her grenade at a nearby pinnacle, blocking one of their pursuers. Saxon and another Imperial Mandalorian zoom in on Sabine and Ezra. They open fire, causing Ezra to lose his grip. He lands on Chopper, who beeps in annoyance. Sabine then shoots down another Mandalorian warrior with a blaster, causing his jetpack to explode. So we got a lot of exploding jetpacks in this episode, Mike. Um, Mm-hmm. They might need to rethink how they use those things because if you're, you know, you're, they're using this thing in the canyon, like you said, they're up in the air. But when these things go out, uh, you pretty much go down. So unless you have the force, you're in, you're gonna be in some trouble there. So but actually, you know, but but here's the thing: like I appreciated what they did with the the canyon chase. You know, they made it a little exciting with Ezra again using his powers and uh, using his lightsaber and and deflecting stuff and. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of cool to see that, even though it's like, what else are we going to do with Mandalorians but show them flying around on jetpacks? But I still thought it was it was a decent action. Um, uh, spot. Yeah, it it was all right. It, it you know I I won't hit on it too yeah. much, but but it, yeah, it was, it was okay. It, it, it didn't <laughs> yeah. really it really didn't do that much for me, but I can't really complain about it either. It was it was serviceable. <laughs> Yeah, uh, right, right. <laughs> which isn't what you want your action sequences to be, but that's what it was. Yeah, um, yeah. You want to finish it out? Uh, yeah, sorry, are we on the last one now? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the rebels with Ezra on top of Chopper race Saxon to his ship. 
before they can steal the third, uh, sorry, sorry, steal the ship, a third Mandalorian shows up and shoots at them, causing Sabine to drop her blaster. Before they can kill the rebels, Fenn arrives in the Phantom Two and tells them that the rebels are under his protection. Ezra manages to board the shuttle while Chopper lands himself into the ship's astromech socket. Sabine manages to damage Saxon's jetpack and jumps aboard the Phantom Two. Despite Saxon shooting at her jetpack, Sabine manages to board the ship with Ezra's help. Saxon can only stand and watch as his ship burns in the background. Ezra tells them not to take, uh, sorry, not to take the wrong way. Sorry, not to take it the wrong way, but remarks that the Mandalorians are crazy. Fenn laughs and responds that he is crazy enough to join the Rebellion as the Phantom Two flies away from the Concord Dawn system. I really thought you left us. I considered it. Then I realized you were willing to die for your people, even though they are not Mandalorian. You haven't forgotten our ways. That has earned my respect. Don't take this the wrong way, you guys, but, uh, Mandalorians are crazy. <laughs> crazy enough to join you. Honestly? If you'll have me. I'd rather have you with us than against us. Welcome to the family. So, again, we got a nice little bow to tie this episode up. And, of course, we see um, Fen Rao. He's part of the rebellion, you know, part of the rebellion now. So he's, well, I'm assuming we'll probably see him here and there going on as these episodes, maybe helping out a little bit here and there. But uh, he had his, he had his, I say, Mike, he had his hand solo moment where he, he's flying away and then he decides to come back. Like you said, this is like his second or third change of heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had his hand solo moment there and he's coming back and, Again, we will see Saxon, it looks like, again, um, and this storyline with him and Hera. I think we, we're going to visit that again sometime down in this in this season towards maybe the middle end section of the season. Yeah. Um, hopefully, hopefully get some more meatier stuff with exactly what's going on with his mother, because hopefully that's some that's a good story element that we're going to get. That's going to maybe shock us a little bit or, or um, do some more for Sabine's character. So. Uh, like I said, Mike, this is one of those episodes where, you know, I'm not going to necessarily watch it again. I thought it was okay. I'd give it like 6.5 out of uh, 10 Mandalorian, Super Mandalorians. Um, so, uh, again, you know, it's it's above average for me. You know, 6.5, it's above average. But it's just not up to the normal 7.8s and 9s we get from uh, the Rebels. So uh, that's what I would give it. Uh, anything else before we head on to the email stuff? No, no, I think I've said everything I need to say. <laughs> All right, let's take what the message. The Rebels Podcast. Now back to Conjure Club. Mailbag. The council is asking you. All right, so we got some emails, um, some stuff we I had mentioned last week that we had kind of saved, and we'll, we'll talk about them uh, this week, Mike. Uh, the first one is from Alex Malecki. He says, hey, guys, I really love the podcast. Your recent entry regarding Harris Heroes left me a little surprised. From the way the episode plays out, I assume that Admiral Thrawn isn't on Ryloth purely out of coincidence. You touched on it in a recap. Cham underestimated the Imperial commander, his most recent attack being far more competent than any carried out up until that point. I immediately concluded that this drastic improvement was the result, a direct result of Thrawn's presence on the planet. I also immediately assumed that Thrawn is on Ryloth to learn what he can about Hera capitalizing on his newfound knowledge by moving his headquarters into her childhood home 
in hopes that she will take the bait and make an impulsive emotional decision to try and recover some piece of her past like the family heirloom. Maybe I'm reading into things, but I immediately thought the whole narrative of the episode was being calculated, uh, calculating, manipulated by, I say that twice, by Thrawn. Not that he was on Ryloth purely out of result of coincidence. So that's from Alex. And Mike, we talked about that in that episode about Thrawn. And, and he is this character that um, we're going to see again in the, in the next episode that is totally different than we're used to seeing in uh, Star Wars, like, quote unquote, bad guys or, or the Empire. Like, a totally different way of thinking of things. And uh, like like in this episode, Harris Heroes, we saw that. We saw what he's doing. He is letting them go for the sake of learning things, you know, setting up these traps and just to see how the rebels play out, how they would get out. So he's constantly um, thinking and using history and, um, and even present stuff. Like I said, he let them escape. He wanted to see what they were going to do. And he's got that all, you know, memorized in his, in his little head there. And he might use that later on down the line in some form or fashion. So uh, what do you think about what uh, Alex is saying here, Mike? Yeah, um, no, I, I definitely think that, that Thrawn was there out of coincidence. I think yeah. once he was there, he put it together and he understood who yeah. Hera was. It didn't take him long to figure that out. Um, obviously, the, his knowledge of the Calicori and all that sort of thing. Um, but I do think that him being there was not, he wasn't there lying in wait for Hera. No. Um, right. <clears throat> yeah. It, it was kind of a, a, a bit of a, cause he wasn't setting up base there. The, the governor or, or Moff or whoever that was, was right. the one that, that who had set up base. He it, was in charge there. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Thrawn was there for like an inspection or something like that. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it, uh, it, it, it was a bit of a coincidence, but I, I'm willing to let it go because it's kind of how these stories have to play out, right? Yeah. So. Well, it also shows how just how smart he is. I mean, he wasn't based there, but he was there for a little time and he knows where to go. He knows what to yeah. look for. Yeah. And that's what makes him so dangerous and, and so much smarter than your common uh, yeah. just admiral or whatever. So. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, next one. Uh, go ahead, Mike. You want to take the next one? Yeah. Uh, this one's from Ariel Phillip, and uh, they write, uh, Good morning. I just finished listening to the last podcast on Hera's Heroes. As always, I thoroughly enjoy your insights and discussions. Thanks for reading my thoughts about the episode. You were right about Thrawn. When I research the episode and listen to your insights, I do see how Thrawn gets the bigger picture. Great job in making the connection to the Emperor and the Return of the Jedi reference. I tried reading the Thrawn novels and comics of the Legends canon and made the same conclusion to how can he can be how can he be three steps ahead of Luke? I found his character to be boring. But the Thrawn from Rebels is more delightful to watch. He's the villain that I was hoping to see as uh, see as against the Ghost Crew. I felt that Vader, Tarkin, and the Inquisitors fell a little short of being great antagonists. I love the way they are writing Thrawn and can't wait for the novel. Question, what are your thoughts for a live-action movie with Thrawn? Uh, thanks also for correcting my mistake on the <laughs> Pigeon Walker won't there do you. it again. <laughs> uh, again, great job, guys. Keep up the good work. Um, yeah, well, of course, we know the ATDP is the Pigeon Walker. Right. Uh, and uh, Thrawn in live-action... Um, Hmm. I don't need to see it now. 
It's not necessary. No, he's yeah, on I, Rebels. Not when we, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, we have him right here. Uh, we don't, like you said perfectly, we don't need to see him. We, we got a great character uh, kind of blossoming right now in front yeah. of us. And like I said, we're going to see him again. So yeah. uh, he talked about the, uh, I think you mentioned that before, Mike, about the Thrawn, the Thrawn Have you read the Thrawn novels? Uh, I tried reading Heir to the Empire and, and got bored halfway through. Oh, right, through. right, yeah. right. Okay. Now one, he does, one of these he, days I'll read the comic book adaptations so that I know the full story. But I generally know what happens in them. Yeah. The only thing I I, I would disagree with as far as is, is saying that he feels that Vader Tarkin and the Inquisitors fell a little short. Um, I think maybe the Inquisitors did, of course. Um, yeah. And not necessarily Tarkin yet, but definitely not Vader. I mean, no, Vader was awesome. Bit. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Vader, Vader wasn't meant to be introduced as a foe for yeah. the rebels vader was a foe for ahsoka that that was vader was there uh because ahsoka was there so ahsoka shows up at the end of season one and as a result vader shows up at the beginning of season two and then ahsoka is gone at the end of season two therefore vader is also gone mm-hmm. um the 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 other character and we've got darth maul now so there's other stuff going on um, I do think the Inquisitors played their role, and they were um, obviously the Grand Inquisitor was a much better villain than the individual Inquisitors from last season. But um, but yeah, I think everybody's played their part so far. I haven't really had a problem with any of the villains. Um, I, I think that everybody has fulfilled mm-hmm. their purpose really well and mm-hmm. moved us through the parts of the story that we're in. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that Thrawn has been perhaps the most challenging uh, villain for them thus far. I mean, Vader is obviously the most powerful, but he was also not an immediate threat unless they were on his radar. So, right. um, yeah, it, 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 it's just, it's different. That's all it is. It's just different. Yeah. But, uh, sure. yeah. Um, well, thanks. I, I've got yeah. one more email oh, okay. um, cool. that I want to read. Uh, and this right. one just came in to us. It just came in yesterday morning. Um, this one is from Doug Green, and Doug writes in, Hey, Mike and Matt, I gotta say, guys, this week's episode was pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> I didn't care about the bad guys or their conflict this week. It didn't further Sabine and Ezra's relationship. They didn't get a key piece of info or, or a MacGuffin. And by all rights, Sabine and Ezra should be dead. I'm getting tired of bad guys having a change of heart and bailing out the rebels at the last moment. It's lazy writing even for a show aimed at kids. It was a filler episode and a week one at that. I expect more out of this show and frankly did not get that this week. Interested to hear what you have to say. So (laughs) Doug, obviously like on the far end of that spectrum, really not liking this episode. He's not pulling any punches. That's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I, I echo some of his sentiments, but I don't think that it was a bad episode. I just think that it was a very uninteresting episode. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. It's, it's again, we, we can, keep talking about it it's like and unless you do a tight-knit story where you don't have to go off and do um you know like as far as this season you know who it seems like it's going to come down to what's going on with ezra and maul and possibly a meetup with obi-wan and what are you going to do for the other 20 episodes you know i mean it's like you got to try to tie in things and sometimes it works sometimes like this one it's just one of those ones that it was fine, but it just doesn't weave into this, the whole overarching story of what's going on. I mean, yeah. 
I know they're trying to set up Sabine, but um, you got to give us more than that, you know. So, like you said, with as far as Doug's concerns, like I didn't, I didn't go that far. I still found some things to enjoy about it and little pieces here and there. Um, but yeah, you know, that's that's fine. I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of people might be thinking the same thing as you. Just like, oh man, let's get to this. Yeah, I want to get to some meat. So. Uh, yeah, thanks to to Doug and to Alex and to Area Philip. You guys appreciate the comments and for all those listening, don't hesitate, man. Tell us what you think. What you any yeah. questions about the episodes? Rebels Podcast um, at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know. Twitter, sure. whatever, Facebook. Yep. I know a lot of people use Facebook, and yeah, for sure. So it'd be great to hear from you guys. So thank you guys for uh, writing in. Um, next time, Mike on Star Wars Rebels yes. it is entitled Iron Squadron. Ezra and Sabine team up. To tame a rogue young hotshot pilot and his crew who recklessly risked their lives in a fight to defend their home world from an imperial occupation. And here's a quick take. The next Star Wars Rebels. They're attacking the Empire head on. We're here to assist. Thanks, but we don't need your help. Sounds like a kid. Sounds like a ship full of Ezra's. A band of young rebels. Didn't you see how we chased off that Star Destroyer? Yeah, that was only a transport. Endangers the entire rebellion. You are all very brave, but once the Empire arrives, that won't matter. We're not going to run. We are not going anywhere. Now that is a Star Destroyer. Oh. So, Mike, we got uh, a bunch of kids coming back, huh? Yeah. I guess, you know, and, and I've heard some really crazy theories about who possibly one of these kids can be. And uh, I'll yeah. just say it's somebody that comes out of Legends, and I don't know if they're going to go there. I just think it's a funny. I don't think they will. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, the, I, we can just talk about it. The, yeah. the ship that we see in the clip is a, is a YT-2400, actually identified yeah. as YT-2400, yes. which is yeah. the same ship as the Outrider, right? Yeah. 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 Um, uh-huh. Which is Dash Rendar's ship from Dash Shadows Render. of the Empire. Yeah. Um, I will reference back to Star Wars Celebration in Europe when we first got a glimpse at the Outrider, at the YT-2400. Dave Filoni said, that's not Dash Rendar. It's not the <laughs> right. Outrider. It's not Dash Rendar. They're right. just, if you actually... Or it, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't Dave. Maybe it was um, maybe it was Pablo. But somebody definitively said, it's not the Outrider. If you look at it, it's actually a little bit different from the Outrider. Um, so, yeah. Uh, not Dash Rendar. So... Um, maybe that's a red herring. Maybe maybe they were misdirecting and actually lying to us, and it will be Dash. Yeah. But uh, I don't think so. I I I, I think it, I think we're dealing with some new characters. Um, and we'll see we'll see if maybe they have a connection to characters that we know mm-hmm. um, from the yeah. past from the Clone Wars because that tends to be the theme in a lot of this stuff. So it'd be yeah. interesting to see that. True. True. Yeah, and, and then we also got a little quick taste. I've seen, I'm sure everybody's seen the previews. It looks like we're going to get some more Thrawn in this episode yes. as well. So that's pretty exciting for me. I, I'm loving this character. So uh, bring it on. I'm looking forward to that. So that particular episode doesn't air till the 19th of November. So yep. again, we won't be back until I guess we're looking at the 23rd. Uh, that episode will drop uh, yeah. on the 23rd of November. Which so is fine because it gives yeah. everybody the week off to watch their Star Wars 3D Blu-rays. And yes, all good, the new, good times. New, uh, there you go. Uh, special features and everything. So Yeah, for sure. Good stuff, man. That's going to do it, though, Mike. You ready? We're done. Yep, that's it. Uh, thank right. you guys for listening. As always, stay up to date with everything you need to know about uh, Star Wars Rebels by heading to rebelspodcast.com where Tim does a great job of keeping you guys up to date 
Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rebels Podcast, as well as on Twitter at Rebels Podcast. Uh, you can obviously email us at Rebels, uh, rebelspodcast at gmail.com as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ArcWolf. I just hit 1,000 followers, so I must be doing something right. Uh, that's ArcWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. And you can follow Matt at the Crankster, uh, yes. the Crankster with a K. Uh, yes. So I, I, we also have to mention we are part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, as uh, Matt mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Uh, you can head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in the Thunderquack Network. Uh, and, uh, and if you want to support us, you can do that by heading to store.thunderquack.com, picking up some merchandise. As uh, you know what, I want to give them a call out. I, I, shoot, I had it open and then I closed it. Um, give me one second. Who, who was it that got that, that their T-shirt? Daniel Webb. So thank you, Daniel Webb, for picking yep. up your Rebels podcast shirt. It is looking mighty fine uh, <laughs> in the brown. Hell looking yeah. so good. Uh, when I designed the shirt, that was the color that I had in mind. And then it was too expensive to print it on the brown, so we ended up doing white. And, uh, and now that I see it uh, in, in action, um, i got to get myself one of those shirts. Yeah. So you head to uh, store.thunderquack.com to do that. Purchasing Rebels podcast gear directly supports this show. So uh, that's the best way to support this show specifically. If you want to support the Thunderquack Podcast Network, you can do that by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and kicking in over there. We just reconfigured the uh, reward structure again. So foolishly, before I had the, the exclusive podcast, our best perk at the $10 level, thinking like, oh, this is totally worth $10. And I stand by that. I totally think it's worth $10. But here's the deal. Now you can get it for $1 a month. So you have no excuse, okay? That's $12 a year, all right? And you get an exclusive uh, Thunderquack podcast hosted by me with special guests every month. Um, it, we just did our... October episode, uh, Tim and I, uh, Tim Jirasi from Star Wars The Saga Continues, we talked about Lando, um, the casting of Lando, as we alluded to in the last episode of, of Rebels Podcast, though um, Don McGlover is Lando Calrissian, as well as George Lucas and his involvement with Indiana Jones, uh, Indiana Jones 5. And mm -hmm. uh, you can you can check that out along with the whole back catalog of exclusive episodes that we've done by just supporting us at the one dollar level every month so like a dollar you're not even gonna miss it but if everybody listening to this goes and pledges their support over at patreon.com slash thunderquack it makes such a huge difference for us so um i know we've got new podcasts coming online matt and i are all set like matt and i like we have we have good mics um i like to think that our quality is pretty solid um <clears throat> But some of those other podcasts really need the support um, so that they can get better equipment. Uh, I'd like to get some new stuff for Quiver because Amanda and I record that a little bit differently. And, and the audio quality could be a little bit better for that. Um, and we, But we can't do that without support from you guys. So uh, heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack gets 
is is the easiest way to support the podcast, I think, because you sort of set it, and then once a month you'll get uh, you'll get an exclusive podcast, and uh, and if you're a Facebook person like I am, and you're on Facebook all the time, then uh, you get access to the uh, the exclusive Thunderquack Patreon group over on Facebook where we get to have all sorts of awesome conversations. And the more people in that group, the better it gets. So um, I know we've already had a few people go over there and support us. Um, but uh, but if everybody supports us, uh, it, it gets that much better. And it allows us to do some cool stuff. So um, we appreciate everybody who does support us on Patreon and everybody who's buying merch. But uh, But more is better. And here's a pro tip. Here's a pro tip for the merch. Uh, if you go and you just sign up on Redbubble, because our, our merch store is through a site called Redbubble that allows us to basically like do designs, put them up, and then put it on all sorts of different merch. If you sign up for an account, you get their newsletter. And at least once a week, I've noticed, they do a sale on something. Um, and it's usually only for like a day. But if you're signed up, for their emails you'll get that notice and you can get like 20 percent off and so um some of those prices might be a little bit a little bit on the high side i know for some people uh, uh especially maybe like our younger listeners who are maybe uh in high school or college and every penny counts trust me i know i remember i'm actually currently reliving it as uh as this <laughs> baby costs more yeah. and more money every every penny i've got goes to this kid um Especially with Christmas coming up, but uh, I, I trust me, I know, I, I remember. So uh, every penny saved is uh, is is worthwhile. So sign up for those emails, and you can get twenty percent off um, on a regular basis on all sorts of different stuff. And uh, and it's not just t-shirts. I can't be more clear about that. You can get a phone case. You can get notebooks. You can get. Uh, you can get a pillow. Uh, with some of the other shows, you can get like leggings and skirts. And and I'm gonna do some more Rebels uh, designs in in the next little while. I gotta get I gotta get a couple other things up there. I want to get something up there for Pullbox Podcast first. But uh, but we're gonna get some other stuff up. And if you have ideas, uh, let me know if you've got an idea for a cool um, uh, Rebels podcast themed shirt. I, I I would love to know that, and then uh, and then we can sort of help that become a reality, um, design that and get that up on the on the site. Um, but uh, that's it for this week. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks yeah. for the episode Iron Squadron. Uh, until then, uh, we will see you guys in a couple weeks. See you guys.